0: Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. Everyone, welcome back to another Trident Wargaming podcast bolt action episode. I'm your host, Andy, of course. Uh, and with me today again, battle buddy, Jason. Oh, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> doing well? Oh yeah. Yep. Very I'm, uh, good. I'm in it to win it. Very good. Very good. <laughs> kind of uh, a laid, laid back uh, day today. Uh, just doing the recording actually. Uh, beginning of the week. So uh, yeah, we've had a full work day and uh, just kind of chilling out now. So <clears throat> great to uh, talk some talk some shop about hobby and uh, and the game. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Of course, again, um, this episode, we're going to be going into some bolt action. And um, we had one of our followers talk about or ask about uh, going over some topics and whatnot about cavalry in the game of bolt action. Um, so we'll be going through that and, uh, if we have enough time as well, um, we'll, we'll talk about some, how to deal with the tank problem or issue or <laughs> whatever you want to call it in your games, um, for bolt action. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, as usual, um, we will start into the hobby uh, aspect of our episode and whatnot. Uh, but before that, we'd like to uh, do a shout out to our patrons, uh, Frederick, Frederick, Tyler, Chris, and Dustin. Thanks again for, for supporting us and whatnot. Every little bit helps. Um, as you guys know, we're always trying to improve things and, uh, and bring some new content and, and whatnot to you guys as well. So again, thank you very much. So yeah. The hobby front, how's your hobby front, Jason? Are you winning the battle? Well, no, it's a
1: stalemate. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm doing okay, actually. I picked up a little bit of uh, Blood Red Skies. I had a game uh, the uh, last week against Chris, kind of showing him how the game works. And then I got my uh, wing commander book in, so Elias and I made up our squadrons. Nice. And we started the Battle of Britain.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: uh, we did our first game and he kicked my butt. But uh, in all that uh, blood-red skiesiness, I started uh, painting up a little bit of plainage. I was working on some Yak-1Bs. Okay, very nice. Nothing to do with... Uh, Battle of Britain, but, uh, I had them and started painting them, I guess.
0: <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, like any kind of hobby that you get in, right? It's it's good. Whatever, your, you know, peaks your interest, right? So. Yeah, for sure. What about it, you, sir? Uh, I'm kind of everywhere. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, is- got, got, what is it? Got some Star Wars Shatterpoint. I got, well, working on a lot of terrain for, um. Mm -hmm. for the event coming in October, of course. Um, so I was just working on the bunker hills for the beach landings. Uh, you've seen them actually, I brought them out that, that one day. Yeah. Um, I have one right here actually. Ooh. So for all you guys watching it on YouTube and whatnot, you can see that it's coming along with the bunkers. Sweet. So, um, just doing the inside, sorry, the inside, um, uh, walls of the, of the trenches, but not layering the, uh, the planks on the trenches. Um, it's actually turned out quite well. So I got nice. those three going. Uh, I've got to cut out another three and then do that again. Uh, also started, uh, the 3D printer started coming up again, so just the bottom part of one of the uh, tower bunkers right there. If you're watching on YouTube again, this one actually uh, came out actually quite nice. So I've got to do the top for that. That one's done. And then I can start uh, doing the foam cutting and, and whatnot. Um, so. Other than that, it's been, yeah, playing Bolt action, playing and learning Star Wars Shadowpoint, playing and learning um, the new 40k 10th edition as well. Uh, which I'm having a lot of fun with as well. Um, Yeah. And then just whatever kind of floats my boat in front of me and putting miniatures together. And uh, I think I got like clone troopers, chaos demons, and like British infantry on my desk right now. So as you can see right in that section. Uh, So yeah, like I I said, I'm all over the place. It's a disaster area in my hobby zone, but... (laughs) whose hobby zone isn't right. So no,
1: they're, they're born disasters. <laughs>
0: so, but yeah, as, as it progresses, you'll see stuff on the Instagram and, and whatnot. Um, especially as the bunker hills and stuff get a little bit closer to completion with the flock and, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll, look good. It'll be a lot of fun. I've already got some, uh, mats picked out that I got to order from the UK. Uh, I, can't quite remember the company, but, um, they look really sharp, Look really nice, uh, beach heads and whatnot in the sand and then the, uh, inland. Right. So I'll have two of those coming in. Uh, and of course there is the, um, Bakaj table that I have. I'll, uh, I'll adjust that one a little bit. Got to make a whole bunch of trees and stuff too. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then a couple other tables that I'll be working on as well as the weeks progress, so.
1: Nice. So, yeah.
0: So, uh, and the event actually went live, uh, I believe yesterday I put it up or I sh- shouldn't say yesterday, I should say on the Sunday. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got four people signed up for already, so, uh, we'll definitely have more as people start to see it come out. Um, yeah, should be good time. It'll be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of good support already from the players that have signed up. A lot of guys have messaged me and, you know, hey, if you need anything, I'll help you out, you know, so it's really good with the community, right? They, uh, as you know, uh, you've supported a lot of events too, so it's, it's yep. awesome. It's great. And, uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can just increase the, uh, the amount of players that come out to events and, the, uh, and get things bigger and better. So. Excellent. Yeah. So long spiel, but there, there, there I am. There it
1: is. There you is.
0: (laughs) So, so yeah. So I guess, um, first, uh, first topic of the night. Calvary. Cavalry. Cavalry. Um, you know, what are they good for? Really in game, you know, that's kind of one of the questions that have come up, but uh, before we actually answer that question, I'm sure uh, Jason's tomb of knowledge is going to come out here right away. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, just a little bit of, of, of history, I guess, with Calvary uh, in World War Two. Um, I know Jason, you're a bit more of a, a buff than I am, but... There you was. Notice,
1: you said a buff, not you're not. You didn't you're say you're not buff. You
0: are buff. <laughs>
1: okay, just I have yeah. to clarify. Yeah. Um.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. So yeah, like history on on the cavalry during World War II. You know, most uh, most of the time, people kind of think about like the Polish cavalry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe the the Waffen SS cavalry and whatnot. Um, so it's definitely been used in World War II, probably what early war. Um, yeah,
1: re- I mean, really the the days of cavalry, as people think of them, you know, because when you say the word cavalry, you think that 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 You think uh, you know, riding across the field and charging, yeah. and and that's really not the reality of how they functioned then there's still a, a tradition or mindset they all trained for that even though they didn't really do it that often it did happen yeah. there was a uh, you know numerous times in uh, especially poland uh a because they had a lot of cavalry compared to most other armies who had a couple of units uh and uh, they have a, a really strong cavalry tradition and uh but really, still, it's it's mostly uh, catching you know rear echelon troops unawares. Uh, it's kind of finding a perfect moment if it comes up. But usually, the they weren't charging around. It was you know scout uh, scouting troops is what they they primarily were used for. Mm-hmm. The horses can get pretty much everywhere in most most terrain types. They're uh, fast, uh, certainly faster than infantry. Uh, So they're kind of uh, ideal scouts. Uh, They don't have to worry about uh, fuel or uh, or any of that. They can live off the land a lot easier. Um, So so that's kind of uh, what they're doing. But there were there were charges, Uh, you know, uh, mentioned Poland. Really, most of the charges. I mean, everybody thinks like, oh, they charged the tanks. They didn't really charge the tanks. Those guys charged a bunch of infantry that didn't know what was going to hit them, or didn't know what hit them. And then a bunch of tanks burst out of, uh, you know, out of a kind of a hidden position and and caught them unawares. And those cavalry were uh, mowed down. But there are other, uh, you know, and that's the famous one that was kind of publicized. Uh, But there were other. situations where they would charge to kind of avoid encirclement yeah uh in these big massive encirclements they had no choice they had to break through uh different points in the line and that's i mean even if you don't all get through <laughs> some of you do yeah uh and like uh the british used cavalry they had one cavalry unit still uh active at the beginning of the war they fought in syria uh, and Iraq, but uh, after that, they were converted to tanks.
0: And uh, didn't the states also have, like the U.S. had cavalry as well? Like, the a, like had, a unit in the Philippines or something like that?
1: They had a unit in the Philippines. And they had other cavalry units that kept their designation but didn't act as cavalry, didn't have horses. Right, right. Um, it was, the states was really mostly... Uh, mostly converted by the time they entered the war, with the, a th- yeah. few exceptions.
0: And of course, the, the French definitely used them as well.
1: And yeah, French the, had some, some units. Uh, again, most of them were converted even uh, to more like a mechanized infantry yeah. is kind of the role they started filling. But they had a couple of brigades, and they saw action in uh, the first couple of days of the... Uh, uh, the uh, the German attack.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, of course, uh, of course, with Germany and their struggle, struggle with uh, transportation and whatnot. Um, they've probably pretty much started using the cavalry as a mode of transportation and hauling for troops and material as well. Yeah, certainly. So, By the time the Eastern Front opened
1: up. Uh, they had one uh cavalry division that was mostly robbed of every horse. Uh, everybody thinks of Germany as the uh Oh, they're so mechanized, yeah. But mm-hmm. no, they were really they're actually quite backwards. There was uh, uh other armies that were significantly more mechanized than they were. Especially their logistics were really uh were really backwards. In fact if they didn't win uh as quickly as they did in uh like Poland and France, where they captured a lot of uh vehicles yeah uh trucks uh they they would have been in in even trouble. More trouble with their logistics yeah but yeah so it, it's kind of a one of those things where uh they were there and they were used sometimes but not really in the way we, you want to think about them, I
0: guess. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and it's, it's hard to, uh, you hear the glory you know. stories, right? Like you, you, yeah. you, that's what you hear essentially, or, or you, you know, might see in, in miniatures or, or games or whatever, but, uh, yeah, yeah. They I mean, are awfully fun. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking, <coughs> speaking of, of in game, uh I know you've used them in game mm-hmm. um I think I've only actually ever seen you use them in game to be honest uh I do own some french cavalry but I I've yet to even field them um but yeah cavalry so cavalry in game let's just go a little little run through them um so essentially they act like infantry except that they have a, a 9 inch advance and a, uh, 18 inch run. Huge. Yeah. Which th- with the same restrictions of infantry, of course, um, of course they can't mount vehicles or enter buildings. Um, they can't react by going down, but they do get a escape reaction, which is kind of like a recce. Yeah. Um, so there's that part and then there's also they can dismount of course, and then become infantry. Uh, the other thing too, is while they're mounted, um, they're also tough fighters. So, and, uh, their regroup for like in combat and whatnot, uh, is also it's, it's 2d6 instead of a D6. So a lot of benefits to them, you know, um, they did take away some of the stuff, which makes sense. I mean, only I would be capable of riding a horse and inside a house, you know, <laughs> just bulldozing, but no. Well, kidding, here's a question. Kidding. What if the building is a barn?
1: Then can that's, you enter it? Huh? That's, that's, uh, that's did a good they point. think of that, warlord? No, <laughs> uh, obviously
0: they did not, but you never know. You could... Uh, you can make rules for that, of course, as a gentleman's game um so there is a possibility you know house rules, all that kind of stuff, but yeah, that's kind of their rules in a nutshell, and we'll talk about some of the units specifically for the nations that um that actually have cavalry units, and they slightly change a little bit, so so they um got some good stuff on them. I can see why, you know, you would want to take them. Um, we'll go into yeah. some like pros and cons kind of about them and, and how we would use them. So, cause you played the Polish cavalry, I believe, right Jason? Yep. Yeah. So, um, they've got some good stuff on them for sure. I got them written down here too. They're uh, Excuse me. They're, uh, kind of what they got. Why not? so obviously i mean the pros for the cavalry um you know they have speed uh, essentially you could get them to kind of where you want for objectives um uh, you know you can beat your opponent to the zones essentially get them there if you want to kind of deploy them to have you know actually get into hard cover or something and make yourself a little bit of a fortification where now you're going to rush up your other troops, and at least you have something there to to give them cover, give them a chance to get there.
1: Which which really is I kind of touched on uh, scouting as a role that mm-hmm. uh, cavalry played. I, I skipped over a little bit that kind of using them as a mobile reserve in a uh, in a front line uh, action is another way <clears throat> they were used. So you're you're getting hit in your line. Particularly hard in a in a certain spot, you can move these the ca- this cavalry a lot faster than you can move infantry yeah. behind your line to reinforce certain areas. And in the game, that's true too. For instance, you could you could set up basically uh, if you were playing a large cavalry force, uh, you could set up kind of a rever- uh refused flank. True, and then zip on over, uh, you know. Uh, to an, the other side to outflank, you know, try to draw your your opponent, start setting up opposite you. you That's know, like a redeploy, team. essentially. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you, you can move over way quick or try to draw his troops, you know, to one portion of the board and then <laughs> ignore them completely and zip on over while they're slogging across, to, you know, trying to. Uh, so you can really use them, uh, uh, that
0: way, uh, quite well. Yeah. <clears throat> you could, uh, you could put them in reserve for an outflank. You could
1: too. Yeah. There and, you know. and, and that, so outflank a, they're fast. So they can come on that edge with, uh, and, and get to objectives or hit, you know, target units for the mission or whatever, is happening. Uh, plus if it is something like uh, you're out flanking and you need to get that objective, but it's held by an enemy,
0: uh, you can hit them hard. Yeah. Right. Um, like. No, it's true. Uh, from, from reserve coming on the board and then playing that side of the field, you know, it could be a, a big shock. I, I consider them shock troops in a sense oh, as yeah. well, especially, especially in game. Um, you know, so they are, they're very much, they're great. Uh, they do have counterparts to them in a sense, um, which we can go into a little later as well, but yeah. Um, like Jason said, you know, just those kind of tactics, running them up the board, run them on the side of the board, whichever, you know, put them in cover, just kind of waiting for their moment to strike, that kind of thing. That
1: that's the hard part of using them, yeah. Is that uh, you know you want them to get in there as fast as they can, and hit the enemy and have it be awesome, yeah. But you they are really vulnerable to incoming fire, yes. At, and they're big and hard to hide sometimes.
0: So and, so and the that's- hard
1: the hard part is holding them because they can move. You can hold them. To a little bit later in the game, and, and have them strike when you need it. You know, uh, when your inventory's up, and shooting and supporting. You know, hitting some units with some some firepower and punching them in the face
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. with a with a cavalry lance can be a uh, pretty brutal. Uh, just jogging them up <laughs> right on the first turn. I mean, you got, you got to be careful. That's, and then, sorry, that's going to your next point, I think.
0: So, uh, no, it's, it was good that you, uh, you went with that route. Um, there's the, the other factor I was going to say with them is they kind of are a fear factor for your opponent, right? Your opponent knows that they can move faster. Your opponent knows that they're going to get into position and that quite possibly will charge them. Right. So mm-hmm. if you end up, you know, you end up playing the, <clears throat> the game and like getting your opponent to either have to activate the unit before you're able to actually charge. So you don't get shot, of course. Um, yeah. unless they put them in ambush kind of thing, um, you know, if you can get that off and get the charge being that tough fighter with like a full squad of cavalry. Cause I don't think I would take anything less than a full squad. Um, you know, you literally could just rip apart one side of the board, um, uh, you know, taking on infantry and whatnot. So they're, they're really good for that. Really good for shock, you know, being shock troops, flanking, uh, getting into position, holding objectives. Um, A little bit of the cons on them though is um, they are and can be expensive. Yeah. So I've been, I was looking and, you know, anywhere from 130 to 195 without upgrades uh, Mm -hmm. for like vets and then, you know, up to like 156 for regulars. Some units are, I think, what up to like 12 or 13 strong um so that's one one thing they they can chew up almost the amount of points for a tank or something uh like you said before they're hard to hide they're just such yeah. such large units you know i mean if there's some decent sized buildings you obviously you can take advantage of that um, yep there they have fat
1: pony asses they are hard <laughs> hard to hide and so. I've done it it's and it's kind of fun. you see them like you know all hunkered behind a, a little you know outcropping of trees trying to uh <laughs> avoid getting shot yep but uh it's really hard to uh to hide them
0: easier to see I mean it's a taller miniature yeah uh, harder to hide you know um when <clears throat> When you do get hit, you're really going to feel it. Yeah, it hurts. Right? Um, you don't get dismounted, but you know, it, it, you're going to feel it cause now that, that power, that shock power that you have is now kind of dwindling, right? And, uh, if you've misplayed them, then you're, you're probably going to lose them right away. So, um, I would probably take these guys as vets for sure. just to give give them a bit more survivability, even though, you know, I I don't usually play vets, um, but just seeing how vets are in game, you know, definitely take them as that. Especially where their intention is combat. I mean,
1: they do have guns. Yep. Most of them, you know, are equipped with carbines or some are pistols. It depends on the units. Uh, Some even have rifles, but the reality is you're, probably holding them to punch a guy in the face <laughs> and uh, you know, with a, a stick or a sword yeah. uh, a- in which case you're going to want the vets. If, if you're use any units that you're intending to use to charge uh, you're going to want vets. And that's not saying that you know, in, in other units that aren't vets shouldn't charge. But if you're Going into the game with this is my punchy unit. If it fits your theme, or you know, as long as you're not opposed to it for some reason, uh, vets is the way to go, big time. Oh,
0: for sure. Um, I think they still have; they'll still have issues against armor, even though they, uh, you know, they'll excel in combat against infantry, but against tanks. Yeah. No. Avoid them. Right? They're they're just they're just not going to do it. You know, you have other stuff in your army that hopefully can do it. Um the other con is it it's you know I talked about putting them on the outflank and reserve kind of thing. It's a pro Anacon because you are putting that point sink of them into you know uh, into reserve, right. To try to outflank them and they're kind of stuck in there. So, you know, when they come on, yeah, great. I'm sure they'll come on, get into position. They're there, but you know, the army now is kind of like the armies are kind of at that fighting point of like, uh, shit's happened. You know, there's been hits. Where do I need them? Maybe I picked the wrong side, you know. Uh, that kind of thing, right? Maybe the, the, the battle has shifted over a bit. Luckily you are cavalry, so you got speed for it, but just being delayed, you might not, you just might not get them, get them going, right? So there's also that to consider, I guess, depending on, on what you're facing and, and whatnot too. So, um, so there. you know, that's some of the cons From I'm sure they're, people could probably think of, of some more of them. Um, but I think some of that is kind of, you know, just looking at Calvary, you know, pros and cons, I think the, the, the pros kind of outweigh the cons myself. Um, so if you do use them, like use them, you know, mm-hmm. get them, get them to where you want them. Um, and make sure you utilize and, and actually take advantage of, of their rules. So, um, uh, the one thing with them is they also do have uh, a little bit of competition too, with some armies, not all armies, right. And not all armies have cavalry. So, but, uh, motorbikes, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're faster, they move, you know, 12 to 24. Um, they can assault, so that's where, that's where they, uh, you know, have a one-up. Um, but these motorbikes can, if they're not moving, they can actually shoot their, their weapons, right? So, um, they're definitely used for different aspects of the game, but I think that's kind of their competition. So.
1: Yeah, really. The motorbike is the mobile reserve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They they fill that role only. Yeah, where cavalry has a bit more flexibility. They can be uh, hard hitting, especially if you play it smart and don't run them up right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but it's hard. It's hard, man. When you know you have this like hand grenade. That you can just chuck at the enemy and mm-hmm. you got to wait. You got to hold. You pulled the pin. You already started your game, but uh, you, you got to hold it. Uh, it's hard. You just want to let them loose, but yeah. just wait. You'll you know. win the game on turn five.
0: Well, if you're a guy like me who tends to like <clears throat> bull rush the enemy in most games, you know, that's kind of my style is just get in there and get them <laughs> dirty. Uh, it may or may not work for you, you know, <laughs> um, I can recall a, a moment in a cavalry charge against Jason in a different game on the very first turn that did not go so well for me. <laughs> made, uh, made crazy rolls for the charge, but, uh, didn't, didn't too, do too well in the it, fight. So. It didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, but, uh, let's go through, uh, I guess we can go through some of these um, units for some of the nations that actually have Calvary. Um, so we'll start off with the uh, the actual, the Waffen SS Calvary. So they're, they're veterans and they have fanatics and uh, that's really about it for them. So a little pricey. But at least with Fanatics, they can kind of stick around for a while. You know? Yeah. Only option really is is veteran. So.
1: You know, the Fanatics on Cavalry is nice. I, I assume. I never played Fanatics on Cavalry. But I'm assuming that sticking around is a big deal. Um
0: Yeah, they're, they're kind of plain Jane, but the fanatics helps. Uh, so, and a lot of these, a lot of these cavalry, like some of them have some other special rules. So you have next up is your French cavalry. Uh, again, they're veterans. Uh, I think you could take regulars as well. But they're pretty straightforward. They have carbines, and you know can get an LMG, which most of these units can get, or SMGs. That's the one thing with the uh, SS uh, cavalry; <coughs> they can get SMGs, which when they're on foot, now they're now they're doing a different role, right? Um, but yeah, for the French, they're just straightforward, just basically an infantry squad um, with the with the cavalry with the horses, <coughs> so. Move them around, do their thing, you know, get them in position.
1: Get them into prime positions or objectives. Yep. Dismount and and hunker down.
0: It, that's and, I, and exactly.
1: Wait, wait for the uh, two-legged cavalry to catch up to uh, help support <laughs> you.
0: Yep, for sure. We have uh, actually a Japan Calvary, uh, mm-hmm. Manchuco, I think it's called. They're Something ca- like that. Cavalry, yeah. There's, um, LMG in the squad. Uh, they actually get tough fighter special rule. So not only do they get it on Calvary, but they have it when they're as infantry as well, when they dismount. So they kind of doubled downed on that. And uh, the one thing that's interesting about them as well is when you take a unit of these, um, you're actually able to upgrade your HQ to have cavalry to be on cavalry as well. So cool thing is you can actually kind of do a themed army as well with this. But uh, having tough fighters, you know, on horseback and off horseback is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And of course, Japan has their own fanatic thing too, so they're, uh, they're pretty good. And then, uh, Jason, you're Polish cavalry. Yay. Yay. You can get as both regular and vets. Yep. Um, 195 for rets, I think without upgrades.
1: Yeah. They're, they're beefy boys and they also have the, uh, you can upgrade, uh, HQ to be cavalry so yeah. you can do a whole force of, uh, of cavalry.
0: Mounted. Yep. They have the same thing. Um, and then they also have lances. Yes. Which gives them an extra attack in close quarters. So, which is interesting cause it's not, um, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. It's essentially when you charge your, that's close quarters. So having an extra attack plus being tough fighter. Yeah. That's pretty freaking good. Yeah.
1: They can really hit hard. Yeah. But they can also flub. I've had it. uh <laughs> I've had them flub. You know, I roll in with my beefy unit. I'm rolling like 40 K style handful of dice. And, uh, I whiff on almost all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in return, lose a couple and uh, lose the combat.
0: (laughs) So that was your worst moment? Yeah. What
1: was your best moment with them? Oh, I've... I... I... Oh, who was it against? Oh, I can't... I ended up almost wiping a unit on a charge. Nice. Uh, So I won the combat by like six... I lost one, I think, <clears throat> and they just murdered. And the other thing about their charge, too, is, uh, or combats in general, they get uh, a 2D6, um, uh, what do you call it, redeployment uh, the role? Re- the regroup? Yeah, regroup yeah. rule. Like a consolidation, so, uh, almost. Consolidation, yeah. yeah. So you can, uh, you can actually... Uh, Hit and then move back to cover or, you know, get into a position to threaten or loom over other units uh, quite nicely. Hmm. That's true. True. And they got some cool looking minis. And they're cool. They're, you know, forgetting
0: all the rules, they
1: do look just kind of cool.
0: You know, if you're, uh, if you're definitely the hobbyist, uh, you know, there's some nice cavalry miniatures out there that you can uh, definitely paint up. And so, a little bit different than just painting just the infantry. But luckily enough, you usually get the infantry with the cavalry. <laughs> uh and then the other one that I came across, uh it's for the Soviet Union. Ooh. The uh Mongolian cavalry. So they have born in the saddle, so they can actually fire their guns while they're on horseback. Yeah. So that, that puts a whole different spin on them. Um, they also have swords, uh, but they also have the anti-tank grenades and the tank hunter, uh, rule. So, uh, instead of something being superficial against vehicles.
1: They can actually run up. They're, these guys are probably the beefiest. The, the Polish are decent with their hard hitting attack, but these guys are certainly the most flexible. Yeah. Being able to shoot uh while mounted means you don't have to lose your horses to get some, I mean, and you can ride right up next to their face, shoot them at point blank, you know, uh, and the idea that uh, you can assault vehicles, which assaulting vehicles can be killer, you know, and you're going to run a. I'm not sure what their. Uh, I can't remember what their uh, max unit size is. It's probably at least ten.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I, I don't have it written down here. Yeah. But so it's it's usually 10 it's usually it's like ten <clears throat> ten plus the NCO. Yeah. So, it's, so it's a weird number. But. So they can uh, ride on up.
1: With the uh, um, anti-tank grenades, they don't have to take a morale check to or a order check to charge that uh, yeah. tank. They can do it from 18 inches away. And then if it doesn't work out, or if it does work out, but no matter what, you get to uh, regroup 2d6 inches away from the tank so you can pop in hit the tank uh and ride off into the sunset into the sunset yeah and uh yeah even if you don't kill it and yep. yeah anyway and worse comes to worse probably that tank cost a bit more than your cavalry even as expensive as cavalry are or at least close to. So the worst comes to worse is you have one unit tying up another unit about equal points cost and it's kind of a, uh, you know, a draw as far as a uh, point sink goes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that unit can be deadly.
0: As being a cavalry and being able to actually take out a tank. And if you do take a tank, take a tank out. out. I like um, tank to tank. <laughs> um <laughs> You're definitely, you know, you're definitely winning, right? Like that's, that's uh, a good winning uh, hit that is worth it, even though you, you know, spent a lot of points on the Calgary, just taking the tank out of the field, just take that threat off of the field and now you're the threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So.
1: And I like what you said earlier, too. You mentioned that they're kind of a psychological unit. I think they are. Yeah. Every time I've played them, and part of it is not a lot of people use them. So it's just kind of fear of the unknown. You don't, you know, you kind of probably read the rules. You, do, you don't remember exactly, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So you get a little bit worried or panicky about them. And, and uh, hell, even if that's what they do is they soak up a lot of fire. Yeah. Uh, that, that can be worth it, too. Yeah. You know, if they, if they cause that big of a distraction where they're going after your cavalry instead of focusing on
0: the objective of the game,
1: uh, that can yeah. be
0: quite handy. Well, it become that harassing unit, right? Yeah. So, while, well, Like you said, while your... While their focus is on the cavalry and the rest of your army is getting up closer and supporting, then they're doing their job for sure. So nice. That's pretty good. Uh, that's kind of our, I guess our take on the Calvary portion. Um, I'm sure there's other ideas and thoughts, you know, that you guys are probably have on the matter. Um, maybe you do play with Calvary all the time. Maybe you've experienced some battles with Calvary. Uh, like me and Jason both said, we don't really see it here too much, but, uh, we definitely have come across it a couple times, uh if not played it a couple times. Um so yeah. So if there's any uh anything you guys want to add or whatever, just uh put it in the comments and, and hit us up. We can have a good conversation about it, message us, whichever. So that'll be good. Next up uh we have tanks. It's the think tank. The anti armor think tank. So first off, Jason, what what's your what's your favorite tank?
1: Uh favorite tank is should I say Sherman because I have like a gajillion of them? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Nope. It's going to be a stupid one. It is the Tetrarch. (laughs) Fair
0: enough. (laughs) It is a tank
1: that flies in a plane back in a day or flies in a glider Mm -hmm. and they drive it out and are able to start fighting. It's terrible. It's not a very good tank. Tank v. tank it's, it's terrible. But if you get if you're landing with the airborne, you're probably or hoping not to land next to a bunch of tanks anyway. True. So, just for the fact that it's a tank that can fly, it's kind of cool. Very nice. <clears throat> and it looks stupid. It looks stupid and little, and I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the weird ones, eh, Jason. <laughs> just, just a stupid little tank. Nice.
0: What's yours, sir? Well, I'm more of a classic guy, so uh, my favorite tank is—it's a German tank. Oh God, don't say it. Yeah. What, what, what am I? What am I going to say, Jason? You're going to say Tiger? No. Nope, no. Panther. No. no. Stug life. No, Close, but no. Panzer IV, okay. I, Panzer IV, Panzer okay, IV is, <laughs> is, is the kicker. Um, yeah, it, I just the Panzer IV to me is always kind of that iconic tank for the German side for me, uh, more so than than the Tiger, even though the Tiger is always plastered everywhere, right? Yeah, um, it looks cool. I, I don't. I just I I've liked the ta- the the mm-hmm. Panzer IV. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, not only in game or bolt action, but other World War II games in, in different systems and whatnot, too. Um, and yeah, just one of those ones that stood out for me the shape of it, the, uh, you know, look of it, and just, uh, the amount of essentially firepower that it, it put out for its time. So that was, uh, my favorite. And I'm nice. sure I'm sure a lot of other people really liked it too. It really so. evolved too. You can say that. It it
1: went through like uh I think they had to do four alphabets to uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's I mean, a lot of different now, variants. Did they, yeah. did they
1: get to the <laughs> the Panzer for uh Z? Probably. Pretty close.
0: It was yeah, essentially one of those tanks that they definitely did a lot of uh, upgrades to over the years and stuff. The yeah, months. certainly,
1: certainly the workhorse. I agree with you. I think it's should be the uh, the the tank that uh, people think of when they think of Germany. Yeah. No. And to be fair, it does look like a smaller version of the Tiger. Yeah. No. So maybe that's what people are thinking of. Could be. <laughs> they just they just don't know it.
0: Could be. So in general, uh, you know, tanks and games in the game of bolt action. And this is, this is with like the reinforced platoon, um, theater selector in mind, of course, just your generic, you know, throw me down games that you have at your shop or your buddy's basement or whatever.
1: Bring Uh, three anti-tank guns.
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry. You said just (laughs) a basic reinforced platoon. Okay. So... Yeah. So, you know, like in general tanks kind of running around uncontested, um, you know, it can be really disastrous for an opponent's army, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in general, kind of my idea is anytime I build an army, I'm always thinking of, you know, I should have some sort of way to deal with enemy armor, um, you know, depending on what army I'm building, of course, uh, some nations have way better options than others. Yeah. Like we know that, right? So, so kind of understanding like the armor and, and like tanks in bolt action, um, you know, usually there's one on the board, depending on what you're playing. Sometimes people can take two reinforced platoons and next thing you know, you have two. If you're playing theater selectors, there could be multiple. It could be a whole platoon of them. Um, Or if you're playing tank war, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) Um, So most commonly, you know, you'll have one tank. And uh, in general, you know, you're looking at probably, I'd say what most common tank would be value damage of like nine and probably has like two machine guns on it. Yeah. Probably it's, it's medium tanks that people are taking. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, unless you're playing really early war, uh, or something very specific, generally people are going with, the with a medium
0: tank. So, yeah. And, um, usually you'll have, uh, either a medium AT gun or some of them will have a heavy AT gun. So I think, you know, like Panzer IVs, T-34-85s, um, maybe the, the Easy 8s Those are, you know, the Shermans. Um, you probably find majority of time guys using them. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a few Panzer threes, you know, stuff like that. Right? So. More than likely that's kind of the tank middle ground that you'll see on the board, you know, anywhere from like, I don't know, 230, 240 points, probably regular, you know, so.
1: Yeah. You don't often see veteran tanks out there just because of the cost.
0: Yeah. And then, and like you said, depending if you're playing uh, early war, you might see lighter tanks, um, Mm. which even lighter tanks in those early war battles can cause a bit of a ruckus too, right? Cause the anti-tank weaponry wasn't really there as of yet, except for maybe some lighter guns, uh, lighter, lighter AT guns and whatnot. So, um, they had it, some of it wasn't that great. Um, some of the tanks, you know, were more machine gun boats than anything. Uh, which is actually quite effective in game. Um, But on the other aspect of things, you could get players that decide to go the heavier route and bring this behemoth of a tank, you know, that has higher armor on them or just a bigger gun, you know, that kind of thing, right? Tigers, Churchill's, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of an understanding of, of, armor, you know, the tanks in the game, Uh, obviously there's a a huge amount of tanks. Can't list them all of course and and whatnot, talk about them all, but uh, a lot of them are very similar and we've covered some of this stuff in um, the faction podcasts that we've kind of done. Um, So a lot of them are similar straight across the board, Um, some special rules here and there. So. So for
1: taking them out.
0: Yeah. The,
1: the way to start, I think, is actually with the most common thing you have in your army.
0: Infantry, baby. So, yeah. So that's uh, it's funny enough you say that. That's yeah. on my list. Um, So the infantry, because you can equip most of the time them with the anti-tank grenades.
1: Yeah. Right. Most armies have access to some form of anti-tank grenade. Yeah. And it is worth it. It is worth it. Uh, in general, what is it? Two points a model?
0: Yeah, usually.
1: Thinking, so it's two points a model. Usually your squads are ten, 10 models. You know, So you're paying 20 points just to have something else that the tank is afraid of. Because yep. you can assault an enemy tank without any tank grenades. Yep. But it's hard it's a minus three to an order test you have to take uh but if you have the uh, uh, in order to assault the tank as soon as you declare the assault you have to take an order test and it's a minus three to be able yeah. to do it at all otherwise you don't uh, so having the anti-tank grenades means you don't have to do that you skip that whole shabazz you just do it as long as you can reach them yeah. And uh, it is difficult to pull off, but it happens, and and it's not it's not even that crazy. It, it does happen, especially if you have all your units and uh, with anti tank grenades, and you remember that's a big thing. Oh yeah, I can assault this guy because uh, quite often it, the tanks, at least in most of the games I see, are kind of. Uh, flippant about the infantry Mm -hmm. Uh, and they roll on up and they're feel impervious and maybe to a degree they are and uh, these guys roll on in you you do your assault you basically do a combat against the tank Uh, if the tank hasn't moved every guy in the squad gets an attack, he needs to hit on a four, if the tank has done an advance Needs to hit, you need to hit on a 6. And if it ran, you can't assault it. Yeah. So for every hit you get, either a 4 or a 6, depending if it, it stayed still or advanced, every hit you get counts as a plus 1 pen to a penetration roll you make. So if I got uh, 5 hits, then I get a plus 5 pen, I roll a d6, add 5, and if I penetrate the armor, it's a... Uh, uh, worked out just like as if I had shot it, you know.
0: Yeah, so on the damage table. Yeah,
1: on the damage table. Yeah, so it's it's not too crazy, especially if you catch it still. If it moves, getting you know, you have probably ten guys getting sixes. You're probably not going to roll enough to be able to do that. You might get lucky, uh, but if it stays still on fours with ten dice. It's a good chance. Yeah, that's a that's a decent chance.
0: And you uh, know. And not to mention and and I've been caught with this actually Jason got me with this one is uh those pintle mounted weapons. If mm. you uh if you unbutton your hatch and you fire those and you get assaulted by uh you know infantry uh bye-bye charlie. Like <laughs> yeah, they're they're open-topped. Yeah you're essentially all they need to do is damage you when you're done. Yeah. Um, and I, like I've lost a Stug like that. So, uh, it, a lot of it is timing, right? A lot of it is definitely timing when to assault, um, a tank. Uh, I've also done it where I've, I've taken the chance of assaulting a tank and, um, it didn't dawn on me that he hasn't, hadn't activated yet and he opened fire. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it looked so close to like for range and, uh, I was actually just out of the minimum range and, uh, he was able to open fire with his, with his machine gun and then just, he destroyed my chances of, of even attacking the tank. Right. Yeah. So, which is,
1: uh, another thing to mention is, uh, think about a, did it use its dice, uh, and B, think about the arcs. Yes. So if you're, for instance, charging uh, from a side arc, all of a sudden that whole mount doesn't get to shoot. Your your uh, uh, coax might, depending on where the turret's pointed, but it doesn't get to move to shoot. It's a shoot as is. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so... Unless he decides to uh, open up his uh, pint, his uh, hatch, and fire with the pintle mount, uh, which is a risky proposition, uh, you you could potentially not have to worry about that as long as you thought about
0: it. Yeah, but yeah, I've been caught in you. <laughs> I've been caught like that too. So, so that's kind of a, a close combat. Uh, there are some special units that can do things a little differently with, you know, tank mines and this and that. Yeah. Um, but those are very, very specific. Um, but your, uh, the other option, which is, um, uh, a, a common option in armies as well, of course, is your anti-tank gun. Um, love them or hate them, you know, they still give you an option. Uh, in in your army, so yeah.
1: generally they're not very many points no you know especially the smaller ones they you know they roll yeah. around the uh you know sixty five to ninety five kinda point range and uh they if anything uh can be a great area denial weapon, you just put them down with a good arc of fire where you don't want an enemy tank to go. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: probably that enemy tank is going to try not to go there. I mean, it's not always the case. Uh, And if it's not, then that enemy tank is risking, uh, risking itself going to those positions. So,
0: yeah. And some of them. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry. I do
1: feel that the hardest part about an anti-tank gun is it's, initial placement. Yeah. Or where you come on the board because I mean you're not moving the thing. I mean, even if you have a a toe. Yeah. I mean it takes you, you know, a turn just to basically, you know, mount up and move and then you gotta next turn you gotta dismount and then you're not allowed to fire till the you're talking half the game to reposition, you know, or, or a quarter of the game or a third of the game. Like I've, it, uh,
0: I've been very caught, rare. I've been caught in those positions where it's just, even the way the terrain is laid out and it's like, this is, just, this is, this is horrible. Like why, why did it even take this thing? Right. Like it's, yeah. you get caught in that position um, you know, trying to improve your shot, you're always looking at the flank shot. If you can, you can get one, which is not easy. Um, there's usually something in the way, right? Um, and for it's, it's a one shot trick pony. So you're always looking for the one shot, one kill, which, you know, doesn't always happen. Um, and then
1: one like, thing, oh, sorry. One, one thing to remember with these, uh, anti-tank guns too, is the ambush dice. Uh, these yep. things are made for ambush, baby. Like you, especially if you can get that area. You know, you you get that zone that you want to deny. You know, and you throw that ambush on. Uh, as soon as any any little baby tank pops its pops its head out to uh, smell the air or feed on some grass,
0: you you kick it in the ass. Mm-hmm. Jason must have uh read my notes for this episode. Oh, nice. That's exactly go, what I had written down to. <laughs> Great minds think alike, Candy. Yep. So and and not, you know, not including what Jason just said about the the ambush rule um you know, timing it just right for when you want to stop them will give you, you know, the best opportunity to fire fire your weapon before he gets in the cover and stuff. Um, but also using that in combination with, uh, like choke points, right? If, if that unit, that vehicle, that tank, mainly tanks, you know, but obviously you use it for other vehicles, if there's that choke point and he's got to cross it or he's got to come into it, well, you know, you're, you're, you're firing with the ambush for sure, but the other thing with them Is you can use them in combination with another anti-tank weapon or unit, um, mainly with a tank, of course, right? So a lot of times it comes down to deployment as well, your opponent will probably delay their tank until the very end, if possible, um, So by you having, you know, a tank and an anti-tank weapon, uh, there's a good chance that one of yours will be set up, ready to go, uh, against one of, you know, his tank, um, his or her tank, I should say. But at the same time, it can happen both ways, you know, most players will think that way, you know, try to delay, try to, to out deploy. The other person, uh, it also depends on the dice when they come up, so it can happen. So anti-tank guns, not everybody's favorite. Uh, I've had some success with them, especially considering, um, with my, my DAC army, I play with an 88. Well, yeah, I mean, 88,
1: It's But they're also
0: not in in that El Cheapo range either. No, they're not. Um, An eighty-eight is is very good. It's I tend to use it more for its um, artillery. Artillery, yeah, Yeah, like the HE, right?
1: That's another thing to mention is that some nations have, not all of them, but some have a bunch of them actually have uh, dual-purpose kind of weapons. Dual-purpose, dual-purpose guns, and those are are where a strictly AT gun, meh. Maybe sometimes, but the dual purpose, uh, (laughs) I mean, especially here's the worst scenario. Oh, baby, I got my anti-tank gun. Oh, this guy has no tanks. Yeah. So what I have is a crappy artillery piece. (laughs) So the dual purpose are, there are more points, but
0: uh, worth worth the points. More options. Yeah, exactly. So other ranged options for anti-tank fighting, uh, essentially is, is boiling down to anti-tank rifles, <coughs> uh, which can be very beneficial for, you know, lighter tanks, lighter vehicles. And, yeah. uh, not only that, but sometimes it can be used as a different type of sniper. Yeah. Um, just cause they give extra damage, right? Or extra panic.
1: They're- they're cheap. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple armies that can have multiple in a bog basic reinforced platoon. Yeah. Uh, and they, they're they effective against early war light tanks mm-hmm. or uh, against uh, trucks, jeeps, APCs, those kind of things.
0: Armed uh, cars.
1: Uh, Armored car, Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and even even against tanks, and here's why. As soon as I have a pen value, I can cause a pin. And they have a yeah. decent range, they're really mobile, they're small teams so they're hard to hit, and they're cheap. And I can cause pins on your tanks, and the best way to fight a tank is to not fight it. So if I can have a, a cheapo eight uh anti tank rifle plug in cause a pin he's not going to hurt you really but he causes that pin and you fail your order test and your tank does nothing for a whole turn oh baby
0: yeah jason like my, you definitely read my notes
1: yeah oh, oh i have yeah there you <laughs> go but, <clears throat> would you have said oh baby i don't know yeah <laughs> This is where you hold up the notebook and it says, say, oh yeah. baby. Oh baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but it's true. It's true. You don't necessarily have to destroy a tank, right? You could pin them out. You can force them to take that rally test. You can force them to make that decision of actually taking the shot and failing, you know, and then yeah. being put into a bad position because you got to back up.
1: And and actually can I can I interject to put in with the category of anti-tank rifle? Sure. An HMG? Yep. It's a very underutilized unit for that purpose. Are they particularly good? No. <laughs> Are they going to kill tanks? No. For a relatively cheap weapon, can they cause pins on a tank and maybe make them not do anything?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And anything that can do that, right? Some are more reliable than others. Like mm-hmm. don't, I wouldn't count on a mortar to be very successful with that, even though you'll Although. get, you'll get, you'll get a, a, a lucky string of rolls and, and you'll land the hit and you'll actually destroy the tank or, or just apply a lot of pins. We'll, we've seen <coughs> it, we've seen it and we know it. Um, Yeah. But mortars
1: again, though, if, I mean, it's hard because probably a tank's going to move, so you're not going to range in. Yeah. Uh, so you got to count on that six, but maybe you don't have another target. Yeah. Take, true. Take the shot. You you have a pen value. You're hitting on the top. You so. Uh,
0: take. It's take d-
1: take the shot. Maybe on a light vehicle, uh, a mortar can potentially do it. Sometimes. Uh, especially early war. And, and if you can't chuck a pin on it.
0: Yep. And it also depends on the size of the mortar, right? When I play my Uh, Soviets, it's usually a heavy mortar, so.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're quite beefy,
0: you know, but, uh, (laughs) anything that can give you extra pins, I mean, there might be, there's a very slight chance that it will work, but if it does, then there's pins happening and possibly damage, right? If you immobilize them, perfect, right? He's not going anywhere now, right? So you got that. You have, then you have some of the favorite units, I think for most players to put into their armies. And we're talking the shape charges, the bazookas, panjashreks. We got, some, we
1: got
0: some Panzer Fausts. And I think one of Jason's favorite. It's a British one. The Piat. Yeah. A little marshmallow shooter. Yeah. <laughs> so these ones are probably probably what most maybe cost effective. Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: especially like I, I I use the Piat because I, I have. Uh, Canadians, British, but uh, really, I have a, a bazooka is pretty darn good. Yeah. For uh, I can't remember exactly sixty points, maybe.
0: Yeah, like fifty to seventy points, depending on what.
1: Rank and bazookas, they are. if I remember correctly, have a twenty-four inch range. Yeah. Yeah, man, that I'll take that all day. So it's, take, uh, it's nice with them because they're small teams. They're hard to hit. Yeah. They're cheap. That's two, you know, pros. <clears throat> they're harder to get into position because you have to slog with the infantry. They do become a target, which is a bad thing. But is it? So, I mean, sometimes just having a unit that soaks up mm-hmm. a firepower. And then uh, using... Uh, those kind of units in conjunction with advancing infantry does one of two things, either the tanks too busy dealing with the infantry and other stuff. And they're able to kind of get up close to get that shot, or they focus all their fire on getting rid of this anti-tank weapon and forget about the infantry who's able to hopefully get in for, for an assault if, if they need to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, working any of these things in conjunction. Another thing with the uh, with the anti-tank uh, gun being in ambush, uh, I found using multiple ambush or uh, or, uh, or dealing with a recce vehicle, uh, firing at it with, with one thing to try to force it in a particular direction because it has to go away from you and out of line of sight. Yeah. So, uh, trying to force it into an ambush, which you can activate,
0: uh, can also be, uh, pretty deadly. It's setting up your shot, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's actually a really good idea. And I think you, I've seen you use that before right? a few times. Um Yeah. With a, a 17 pounder. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah lots of options uh lots of of good stuff, especially with these bazookas pan- and you know panres that kind of stuff uh being able to put yourself in a position where you're gonna get some cover your small team and you're still be able to be offensive with that those weapons and take the shot and and not worry too much about incoming shots uh yeah. only thing you gotta worry one big thing you gotta worry about that is snipers of course. Yeah. Um, that's with most small teams anyways. Um, so, but definitely if I'm building those armies that have them, I'll take them if I can, depending on era as well. Um, I've played a lot of Germans and I've actually hasn't, haven't really used much of it because of the eras that I play. Um, and then of course there's two, two others I like to touch on. Uh, will go with one of the other small teams. Sometimes they're a small team, sometimes they're part of a infantry unit, usually engineers or pioneers is, or they're actually on vehicles as well, is the flamethrowers. Oh yeah. Right. So they can be very, very effective against tanks. Um, so be it, you have another tank that has gone that close to the opponent. Um, yeah, just not even doing really the damage. You're more of trying to get the pins and then making the crew make a order check and failing and they abandon yeah. ship essentially. Yeah. That immediate morale check
1: mm-hmm. is big and the morale check is applied. Using you with all the pins occurred with the attack. Yeah. So, I mean, that can be devastating. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I've seen it a lot of times where the flamethrower, you planned it perfectly, it gets right up close. The tank didn't even notice. You get the beautiful spout of flame to go and you're wafting it over. And just as you are about to touch the tank, the flame goes out. And nothing happens to the tank because <laughs> you didn't roll high enough. Yep.
0: Yeah. And right. then
1: your guy's stuck there, like uh, runs out of fuel in the open, and then he runs out of fuel, so then he's out anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that fun stuff. <laughs> but I ha- I have seen it happen where I mean he just they just barbecue that tank, and there's not a whole lot you can do. It's hard to pass a morale check, but that you know, presumably that many pins. No, it's true. And Um, even if it does pass its morale check, it's sitting there with four pins, five pins, six pins. Like you can, it really layers on the pins.
0: Yeah. As soon as you get those pins on you, then it's, you got to make that choice decision. And usually it's going to be a rally, right? But then you're open, you're open season next turn for same kind of thing. Um, Yeah. But if you don't survive the tank or the flamer, then obviously you're kaput. Um, if you do survive, you you usually have a whole bunch of pins on you. Um, it's very effective. The one thing with it is it's, it's obviously super short range. So you, uh, you got to position yourself or you got to maneuver yourself or be in a vehicle or transport that can get you up there, uh, with the risk of being shot up, you know, um. It happens quite often you think you've hidden your transport away, but nope, somebody's moved around and got an angle on you so uh but very effective nonetheless uh flamethrowers are actually really really good in the game. We've seen a lot more of them over the last know, year or so um myself included um I like them in uh the engineer teams and the pioneer teams.
1: Yeah, it just gives them a little cushion.
0: Yeah. You know, so, uh,
1: engineer-sized human shield.
0: And it lets you take more than just one in a in a force if you wanted to. So, and then uh, the next big ticket, of course, is just fielding another tank. Yeah. Plain and simple, right? Uh, there are tanks that have different options to them. Some of them can get better armor in the front. Um, obviously some have different guns, you know, so maybe. It should, it should
1: be mentioned too, that there are tanks literally called tank destroyers.
0: Yes. That is hundred percent their only job. Yeah, exactly. They're a little, they're a little <laughs> hard, harder to, to work with and position. Um, yeah, You don't have a turret like most other, you know, um, common tanks.
1: Yeah, the uh, reality is, is this game doesn't actually reflect the use of tank destroyers that well. Because honestly, a tank destroyer should be firing before, you know, when the infantry around that tank are little tiny, you know, in the vision, they're, they're little tiny specks. So uh I mean you're talking they're shooting from the other side of the Legion Hall. Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're playing on the table. Uh but yeah.
0: They're snipers, they right? Yeah. Uh with with BA guns. Yes. Yes. I mean I I do like tank destroyers. Um usually when I play any kind of tank game and stuff like that. They've they have a little place in my heart. They're fun. They look cool. um,
1: Stug life, bro. Yeah,
0: Stug life, exactly. Um, That's the one I have painted. But a lot of different ones, you know, I think they're pretty neat. They're a different aspect to to tanks in general. Um, They usually carry, like you said, a big gun, bigger gun. Um, Yeah. They just don't have, most of the time, they don't have like the machine gun support And, uh, the maneuverability of the turret. So, you know, unfortunately things happen, you get rocked and now you're immobilized or you're, you know, you're done, right. Or you get, you get put into a position where you fail your order check and you, you got to back, back out or whatever. And now you're kind of in a weird position. So, uh, but other than that, like again, in combination with other things in your army, you definitely could take advantage of, of that with the tank. Uh, you mm-hmm. can put position yourself in better positions, you can utilize other units to try to work the field a little bit so that when it does come time for you using your tank that, you know, you, maybe you got a flank shot, maybe they took the bait, um, you know, maybe you've already threw a few pins and you're going to get more pins on them. Uh, hopefully you're going to get the kill shot, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice because you're, not only is your tank going against the other tank with its main gun, but you're also supporting your infantry with machine guns against the other infantry or threats that could be a threat to your tank as well, right? You know, put those machine gun shots into that bazooka team that's coming at you kind of idea, right? So. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so Yeah. We all love tanks. There's a gazillion of them throughout the game. Um, Miniature wise, you know, we, we all have quite a few. I'm pretty sure I have like, I don't know, 20 plus myself, you know, 20 plus Shermans. Yeah. Well, most people um, (laughs) shouldn't say most people, but uh, I know a lot of guys who, who have divisions of, you know. tanks. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I know, I know Thomas has a lot himself as well. Oh yeah. Right. Um, But they're great. It's, it's fun. I I like painting up the tanks. I was very pleased with my Panzer III when I got it done up. So, Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of our take on. Oh, 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 I have to. i missing something.
1: You're missing something. What am I missing. missing? What am I missing? You're missing an air observer. And an artillery observer.
0: Oh, good calls, good calls, good calls. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're not perfect at it. And that's not the only reason you're going to take them. Yeah. But they can do it. And if anything, I mean, that artillery observer, that thing disperses that tank. That tank is probably going to waste its turn getting out of the area. Mm -hmm. More than worrying about what it's trying to do. So if you call that artillery strike near a tank, that tank is probably going to start backing up or moving or, or getting out of the way instead of whatever it was going to do. Even if you don't kill it, Fair that's taken one turn of effectiveness off of that tank. Uh, and the air observer is even better, actually has a better chance of eliminating a tank. That's strafing... Yeah. Especially yeah. since you can choose a target instead of a uh, point. Yeah. So, uh, he can't really get away from it. Uh, so those are, uh,
0: two more. No, those are good calls. I can't believe I forgot that. And I use air, air observers. <laughs> um, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It, they're very good points because, uh, especially the air observer, like you said, uh, they rack up pins, but they also have the possibility of landing that hit on the actual target, so. Yeah, and and if you get the big boy
1: plane, too. Yes. I mean, yeah. that could be. The bomber,
0: yeah. 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 No, very true. Very good points. Um, I'm sure there'll be a comment with others. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know appreciated and welcome. So let us know what you think. If you got ideas, you know, how, how you play, uh, what you use to, to deal with tanks, um, I do know there's some other anti-tank teams and stuff out there too. Um, so, but we love to hear the ideas. If there's any other topics and stuff that you guys would love to hear about, we can always, uh, take a look at that and, uh, and drum up an episode here and there. Um, I do believe, uh, what I'm going to try to do is, uh, as Jason has gotten the new book for the Blood Red Skies, it a Wing Commander. Yep. I believe. Right. That's yep. what you said. Uh, we have played a, a, a few times of, of the regular Blood Red Skies and it's been a lot of fun. It's a very simple game, easy to, easy to set up and, and play and have fun with. Um, but as Jason gets a couple weeks in with uh with the new book we'll uh we'll definitely bring you on and talk some smack about blood red skies
1: yeah yeah i'm on board i am all in this campaign we only did the one elias and i uh just after uh just before bedtime i we rolled what our next mission's going to be nice so that we can play tomorrow or the next day
0: nice uh
1: but yeah we're we're stoked it's Super fun like you even roll like personality of your pilots. <laughs> uh and you can roll uh like what their jobs were before the war. Oh wow. And uh and that can play into because you also have support staff at your squadron, and they do different bonuses and things for you, uh, possibly, and your interaction with the pilots and the staff. Can effect it's really so far neat uh i'm loving it. it adds it adds a little bit of uh record keeping uh it's, but if you're on board it's with it's doing like an that, rpg it it really honestly <laughs> it made blood red skies a mini rpg nice nice it is super cool nice. i'm stoked
0: yeah well definitely uh We'll definitely check it out and get you on for that. We'll 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 do an episode of breakdown and uh, just your thoughts and and whatnot on the game too for for this new expansion that came out for it. Sweet. So I'll uh, I'll probably have to pick it up as well and get involved. Do it, do yeah. it. Yeah, one do of it. us, one of us. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So perfect. Uh, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully the info and, and what we were talking about, uh, helps out and, uh, gives you a better understanding of, of things in bolt action and, uh, tactics and, and what, you know, units and troops and, and tanks are all about in the game. Uh, again, Jason, thank you very much for joining as my battle buddy. Well my pleasure. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that was about. <laughs> All good. Um that was your American Civil War coming out. Yeah, uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Um and thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. Like I said, hope you enjoyed. Uh check out our socials, you know, uh Facebook, Instagram. Uh we do have the uh Triumph Wargaming War Gaming website as well, uh especially mainly for articles and, uh, some of the 40 K, uh, leagues and, and whatnot circuit that we have. Um, but otherwise again, thank you. Hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, get those models painted, build it, paint it, play it and see you on the battlefield. Bye.